How's everyone doing today? Good? Is it, is it cool enough in here for you? Good, good. Um, yeah, it's, it is such a, it's a good day to be together, and it's, it's always great to, to see all of you and to be able to gather together. Tell you what, you guys sound amazing today. I, I, I love when the congregation, we hit those songs that everyone knows, and I feel like everybody's trying to sing and just give it the best, and it was just really such a blessing. And I don't know about you, but it's just such an encouragement when you hear uh, the, the body of Christ lifting their voices in one accord, um, and it's just something that we need. So um, I hope you were encouraged in that. I just want to say a big welcome to anybody joining us for the first time, um, and if you're online and watching as well, just say a big welcome there. Um, today, you know, I, I want to just touch on a few things, and you know, every every time when we're, we're approaching a, a Sunday, and I'm always trying to be sensitive to, you know, what's going on in the world around us, what's kind of happening, what what maybe are some of the the folks here uh, dealing with what, what we're dealing with, uh, both individually but also as a church, and. You know, as we look around at society, um, we continue to f- see this, this drift, if you will, this drift toward worshiping anything but God, right? Like, it's just this drift away, this, this moving away almost. And, you know, I, 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 I look at everything, and from, I mean, you can go back to whether it's politics, right, like who's in the White House, things like that. Uh, most recently, it's, it's the, the Supreme Court decision, you know, about Roe versus Wade, what's upcoming, and... You know, it, I, you know I, I do believe, I believe the, the scripture is clear. I believe that we need uh, that sanctity of life. And, you know, my, my, my hope is that we move towards, you know, protecting the lives of unborn children. Um, you know, the, the tune of, I think it's between 60 and 70 million, they say, since Roe versus Wade first came into to, to be in play, um, have been killed. And we know more than we did then, don't we? We know that the, the baby feels and feels that pain and tries to move away. And, you know, and so I want to make that clear up front, uh, but what I, what I want to focus, because I've seen some of this, and I want to bring our attention back to the fact that whether it's whoever's the president, you know, we, we've seen even that where people just almost think of, like, the president, you know, as this, like, savior, if you will. And again, I, I love the, the benefits sometimes that towards the church, the, the, that we have a, a country that embraces, you know, the Christian faith, if you will, or at least it was built on a lot of those principles. Not, nowadays, I don't know that we're that close anymore. I think we're further away. But even with this upcoming decision, what my point is, is, is where is the, the hope? Where is our faith focused? Because the reality is, no matter what the decision comes about in this case, or no matter who's in office, or no matter what laws are passed or, or how well it goes, it's all man's system. You understand? We are trying to create, even, even our country is the great experiment, right? It was the great experiment. It was built on Christian values, but look where we are today. <laughs> and the, the, my point is, and I'm not going to get to my final point yet. It's not that short, but my, my point here in this opening as we prepare is, is this, is that, you know, if we're not careful, we can begin to almost worship or elevate what we do or what we can do in these things as sort of our salvation. And our eyes can sort of drift almost from God. And I think what we've seen, much like even like in the, the times of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where they had this appearance of all the right things, you know, in our country, again, founded on the principles, but without the essence of who God is and who we're worshiping and who we're serving, we end up where we are today, Right? We end up in this sort of this drift if we're not careful. And, and so today I want to I share with you a message that I've entitled, The Focus of Your Faith. 
And, you know, we're going to look at the account from, um, from Exodus as the children of Israel are, are you know, in the wilderness. And I've, I think I've touched on this at various times in some of my messages, but I really want to unpack this today because it really, I felt like it, it paired well with what we're experiencing and kind of the time that we find ourselves. And so the focus of your faith, and that's, that's where we're going to land. And as I say all the time, you know, this is going to be one of those very familiar passages uh, most of us, if, if you were in Sunday school at all as a kid, you probably had the flannel graphs. Remember the flannel graphs? We need to bring those back. I think those things were so cool. You know, the, you could do all those things. Um, but we probably had those. You know, we had those stories, and we maybe even acted it out in our kids' ministry or in our Sunday school. And so you're going to be very familiar with the story. But there's just so much. There's some truth here that I think we can uh, really look at and, and glean from the wisdom that's here. And so uh, you know, we're going to approach this uh, in Exodus chapter 32. And as we do, <laughs> as we do, we need to be careful where we put ourselves and who we kind of say, this is kind of where I see myself, you know. Again, like David and Goliath, you know, I think we always put ourselves as David. But think about the thousands of people that were on the sidelines too afraid to step on the battlefield. And realistically, most of us probably would have been on that sideline, right? <laughs> or another place. Maybe we would have been Goliath, you know. So, so let's just approach this today and, and see what God has for us, because I think it can really minister to us in the time we find ourselves. So we're going to Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. So when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, so let me pause. So again, they had, they had left Egypt, the whole, you know, passing through the Red Sea, in the wilderness now, Moses on the mountain meeting with God, people are down below so that's kind of the scene here. So let's go ahead. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Make up, make us gods who will, shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And so Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And so all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for this time that we have to just be uh, students of your word, Lord, to, to, to listen, to, to hear your word. And God, we just thank you that we... Um, can look to you as our focus, Lord, that, that you are present with us, that you are or with your church, with your people. And God, we just thank you that we have this moment today to gather, to be encouraged, uh, to, to glean from your word. And God, I truly pray that our hearts will be open to receive what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's, we've got some nice weather, right? And um, this, this past weekend, actually it was Friday, my family and I decided to go to Six Flags. Anybody been there? Okay. Anybody know what Six Flags is? Just wanna, okay, just checking. Just want to make sure. So we went to Six Flags Amusement Park, if you don't know, for the one person that maybe doesn't. But 
Um, so we went there, and it was, it's kind of cool being in homeschool because we finished now. We're done with school. So the kids are free. I typically take Fridays off. I do my best to. Um, and so we decided to go to Six Flags. And first of all, if I can say this as tender as possible, I, there are some interesting people in the world. Um, I, it's Six Flags and the airport. Those are two places, like, you can just sit and grab yourself a snack, and it's just really interesting. Uh, and, you know, I know Jesus loves all of them. And I, I really, it's just really intriguing to me. And so we were walking around, and, um, you know, we were, we were riding some of the rides and trying to, like, convince my kids to, to go on rides and, you know, just that whole thing. And so we all, my, my, me and my three older boys all decided to get on this ride. And um, I don't remember the name of it. Do you know, honey? I'm asking my, not my brain, my wife in the back is what I'm looking at. I don't remember. Anyway, it's, um, so it's the ride, and it's, it's like you get in these little cart things, and um, it, they're like this. And they, so the whole ride goes like this, and then the little carts are spinning at the same time, right? Like, it's like an egg beater or something, yeah? You know, and you're going around. And so anyway, so we get in the cart, and let me tell you this, too, in case you ever ride this ride. It is critical that you know your body size compared to the person that's with you. The larger person needs to be on the outside, or there may not be two people by the time you get out. Um, and so we'd ridden it before, and, and if it, so I was with Josh, my nine-year-old. And so he's, you know, lightweight. He's just, like, squished into me because we start spinning, and everything's spinning, and we're going around. Now... I'm not, I'm not a prime timer like some of you. Is, you know, I'm, not, I'm getting there you know, in, in my age, but I noticed that it's starting to get to me a little bit, right? The, the spinning thing. And, um, and so we're starting to spin, and you know, I'm not so much not, but I got like the butterflies in my stomach, and this thing's kind of like, I'm just feeling like, okay, what's going on? And, and so what was interesting, though, is, is I noticed as we're spinning around and all this stuff's going on, everybody's just laughing, and... Um, as I, if I looked at the, what's around me, like the stuff around and just the blur of it going by, I started to not feel so well. But then my older two boys were in the cart kind of across from us, and they, they were just trying not to crush each other, and so that was entertaining too. But, but I noticed that if I kept my eyes on them, and so, you know, we're just turning, and so it's just, it doesn't really seem like we're turning, you know, because they're, they're just fixed, but we're, everything else is spinning. It was really interesting, and, and how where I put my focus and how it affected me, right? And I could, I could move from one, I, I was looking at my boys and things were okay, and then I would say, okay, I'm good now. And I look back out at the, the stuff on the outside going past, and I start getting like, okay, wait a second. And, you know, it's kind of a, a great illustration as we enter our time today of, of where are we focused? What is our, our focus on? And, you know, this, the title of this message is The Focus of Our Faith. And so it is critical to us on where our focus is, especially the day and age we're living now, and in what we're seeing, because we can, if, not, if we're not careful, our eyes can drift to things that will, will kind of throw us off, right? And so as we, you know, look at this passage here today, I want to begin just by bringing to your attention a few terms, and I, I, again, I've, I've done this before, but for some of you, or just a reminder, I think it's so important, and that is, is, is when we read through this, and when you see in verse 1 where it says, up to, and make us gods, or in verse 4, you know, and they said, these are your gods, O Israel, this is the, the term Elohim, okay? 
This is uh, little g-gods. If there is a god, even a pagan god, you could use this term Elohim. It's not necessarily the god of the Bible. It's just the word for gods. That's why in your Bibles, it's lowercase. Uh, Some Bible translations say a god versus like the god or the Lord. And so it's it's, it's a lowercase. And so that's going to be something important that we're going to look at as we go through. But they they use those two terms. And then in verse 5... When it says, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, Lord there is the word for, is, is Jehovah, right? It is, it is the word for the God of Israel, okay? So already we have kind of this mingling, and you might be kind of putting, connecting some of the dots here. That's, it's kind of a dangerous place to be, and we're going to unpack some of that. But also, as we look at this, 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 this whole scene of, of Israel coming out of Egypt, and, you know, the Bible in the Old Testament, it's, it's a lot of times what we call types and shadows or foreshadowing of what was to come. And so when we see Moses, we see him as kind of a figure or a foreshadow of Jesus, right? As Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, you know, Jesus leads us out of the world. And so that's Egypt as well is, is kind of foreshadows the world. It's, it's a symbol of the world. Uh, the children of Israel are God's chosen people. Guess who we are? We're God's chosen people. We, we have now been adopted or grafted in, as it says in the word of God, that, that we're now God's chosen people. So we, you know, Israel, that, that whole scene is kind of this picture of us and what we're being called from. The wilderness, of course, is our journey after being called out of the world. We're now on this journey. Did you know that you are a pilgrim passing through this place? If you've said yes to Jesus and and he is Lord and Savior and you are a Christ follower, you are now on a pilgrimage through our time here on earth. The promised land, of course, is our heavenly home, is is our final destination, where we're going. And so for them, as we see that, we need to keep that in mind. And this all kind of applies and it shows where we're at in in our journey. There was a, a hymn written by a man by the name of Samuel Stennett. And it says there's a, a pass or a a verse in there that says this. It says, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. And I thought that was very fitting, especially this, 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 this line of casting a, a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land. It's, it's seeing what's beyond, right? Seeing where the destination is. The problem, though, and, and what we see here kind of taking shape is God's people had wandering eyes. <laughs> they couldn't keep their focus right. You know, they could not keep their f- focus on Moses, who God had put there to lead them. They could not put their eyes on the promised land and oftentimes would get caught up in the wilderness that they were in or even sometimes even looking back to Egypt. So for us today, then, we, we struggle at times, I think, to keep our focus on Jesus and eternity instead of our, our, our past or the things of this world, if you will, because that stuff can kind of come creeping in. And so, you know, keep these things in mind today as we walk through this account. And so let's, let's kind of dive in now to what we want to really get into and chew on today. And so in Exodus 32, again, those first few verses, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods, again, little g, who shall go before us? As for Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So it's, 
it always is, is staggering to me. Again, remember, these are the same people, first and foremost, that saw themselves be released from Egypt, come to the edge, you know, kind of the water's edge, right? And Pharaoh's army's bearing down, and I don't know what it looked like exactly, but the water parted. <laughs> they cross, the army goes in, the water closes, arm, no more army, right? Pretty significant experience, I would say, right? I mean, to me, if we experienced something, anything close to that, it would have probably sealed the deal, I think, for us. So then they continue in the wilderness, and they see other miracles happen. But, you know, here they come again to this point where Moses is now on the mountain, you know, having his, this moment with God. And how quickly they forget, right? When the cat's away, you might as well play, right? It just seems like... How in the world, you know, would you just shift gears so quickly? And so, you know, even how they refer to Moses, as for this Moses, this Moses guy, right? This guy that just, you know, has been leading us across through the water, you know, when the water parted. This guy that God has brought, you know, has brought to us to lead us out of Egypt. Now they're saying like this guy Moses, right? And they, they, they don't even seem to kind of mourn or nobody comes up and says, you know, excuse me. Should we send out like a search party or something? Like, should we, you know, go look for him at least? I mean, he has kind of done a lot. You know, no, they're just, they're more interested in like partying down, right? Like, get, let's get to this thing that we're trying to do. And so it's, you know, they arose and it was, it's the 39th day. Now, they didn't know it was going to be necessarily 40 days. But on the 39th day, they rose to enter into rebellion. Now, listen to this. There's, there's an account of this that shows up in Acts and listen to this account as it's being referenced back to Exodus about, and it's, again, remember, 14 plus 100 years later, right? And it says this in Acts chapter 7, verses 39 and 40. It says, Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us uh, out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Now, do you know what passage this is in context of? This is Stephen speaking to the high council just prior to when they were going to stone him. And he's reminding them of, of the whole history of how God has done all these things and brought you know, Israel out. And he's explaining all this. And what's interesting about his account is this part where he says, and it's, it's not in, in Exodus that we just read it. He adds, in their hearts they had turned to Egypt. So their physical bodies were going this way. Their hearts were drifting and going that way. They were being drawn. They were looking back. They were, they were grumbling. And Moses here had been leading the children of Israel to their destination in cooperation with God. He was following as God led him. And both of them are on the mountain at this point. It's not, again, and God was aware of what was going on, of course. But they're, they're having this moment. But how quickly they forgot, Right? And how quickly they forgot what God had done, but how they didn't forget the world and the things in Egypt that they, they longed for once again, even though they were in bondage. They had lost all their faith in Moses, the one God had sent to bring them out of Egypt. But the same thing can happen to us, can't it? This is why we must remember that 
or remember what exactly we were saved from. Again, we have been set free, you know, that we can celebrate and have joy that we are no longer bound by our chains of sin. But we, we have to do so understanding that, that how God brought us out from our sin, and we have to keep the focus of our faith on Jesus Christ. He is the one who saved us, because if we don't kind of remember that, again, it's not that we dwell there, if we don't remember that, then it's like, well, maybe we just saved ourselves, or maybe it wasn't so bad back there. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it, it's, it's puzzling to me, again, how they, they forget what God had done to save them, but they remember, or they thought they remembered the comforts that they had, and that was a better situation than what they were currently experiencing. We are in the same place. We are moving from where God saved us from into eternity with him in, in the, the promised land, if you will, and we're in that middle spot. And so it's very important that we keep our mind on, on Jesus and where ultimately our faith is and lies. So reading on in, in verses 2 through 4 there in Exodus, and Aaron says to them, he talks about them you know, taking all these rings and, and everything off their ears, and, and he gets all this gold, and they, they, they hand it over, and, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You see, church, they had lost focus on God. They had lost their focus on Jehovah, the one that was delivering them. And notice here, too, that they take the very things, the gold and the silver that God had blessed them with and directed their worship towards these blessings instead of the one who had provided the blessings. You, again, we got to stop and look at this. The, here they come out of Egypt, though they're captors for so long, do you think it's normal, first and foremost, say, yeah, you guys can go ahead and leave, right? Go ahead, yeah, we don't, we don't want your help here anymore. <laughs> and make sure you take all this gold and this silver and make sure you leave with all these possessions, right? That's not normal. Can we all agree on that? <laughs> and so yet, you know, God blessed them. Even in that moment, he, he blessed them with these things. And again, it's, it's understanding that God, you know, was, his hand was on them. But the way that they then took these things, the gold and the silver, and the very things that God had blessed them with, and now suddenly those things were moved to a place and elevated to a place of worship. And so with us today, right, you know, God, he blesses us. There are things, there's nothing wrong with things. Is there anything wrong with gold or silver? Not, not in and of itself, it's just stuff, right? Ultimately, it's this metal <laughs> that we put a high value on. But it's really kind of how our heart is oriented towards it. And when we begin to see those things, again, if we see stuff, if God doesn't, you know, he's not against us having things, but when those things begin to move up, and above where God is, when the gift becomes the focus instead of the giver of the gift, then that's where we get ourselves into problems, right? Our focus always has to be on God. And here, again, we see the children of Israel just, just, just sliding past all that stuff and forgetting so quickly. And now we get to the part where it just gets, goes really south and sideways, and that, 
It says in verse 5, it says, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. So he builds this, this graven image, this golden calf, right? And now he builds an altar of worship in front of it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a face to who? The Lord. The Lord, right? A feast of the Lord. Not a pagan god. Now we're going to have a feast in front of this golden image to Yahweh, to Jehovah, to the God of Israel. And then it says, and they rose up early the next day and offered, and listen, burnt offerings and peace offerings, those are two things that, that they would do to God. They would bring to, to, to God, to the God of Israel, to Jehovah. And then it says, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And again, play there, they're not playing cards or checkers. It's, there's, I think we all understand where that was pointing towards. And so they now came to this point, and they, they came to this moment where they, they took and they focused their faith on neither God nor his sent one, Moses. And then they took, and even a step further, and they took the holy name that was reserved exclusively for the God of Israel, Jehovah, and they tried to assign it to something that's far less, something that was created by themselves. So it's one thing to, to worship a false god. But I believe, and what we're seeing even in, in, in I use this term loosely, churches uh, that are beginning to wrap kind of their own things around stuff that they've built themselves that is not of God. And we see it happening all around us. And we see in this moment, in a moment, all that they'd seen and experienced, it's, they abandon it. And we see Christians and we see churches now today, and we see this departure from Scripture. And we see them, you know, and, and, and we're all subject to it, right? We can all fall into that trap, right? How many times, you don't have to raise your hands, it's okay. Just keep looking this way, nobody will know it's you. All right. How many times have we done have we done a, a thing or done something or we 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 enter into something only then to afterwards say God please bless this. Instead of praying beforehand and saying God is this the next step what 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 do you want what is your will what is your desire they're like no I'm going to do this and then once we get in the middle of it we're like God will you please bless this. And I think that that parallels very closely to what's happening here. Again, they created this thing, and now they want to, again, wrap it with this, this who God is. Why? Because they wanted something that was approachable in their current state of sinfulness and shame. Where they didn't have to worry about the state of their heart. They didn't have to, to be cleansed to enter into the presence of this, this golden calf, if you will. They could just walk up and... Party down and play, right? So remember that the Exodus deliverance here, the covenant, the wilderness experience, and the promise. And remember, remember what we said at the beginning. They're all foreshadows of what was to come and what the life of a Christ follower or a Christian should look like. 
That's what we're, we're paralleling here, right? Right in front of us, what we're seeing today. And so Moses, again, being this foreshadow of Jesus, bringing the people out of Egypt, the world, and we see that he has this constant intercession for them on their behalf to God, uh, to God the Father. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It should. That's what Jesus does, right? He's constantly interceding for us. He's, he's our, again, the, he's the one that's bridged the gap. It's through him. Jesus' whole aim has been, when he walked the earth, was to obey his heavenly Father and return the people to the presence of God the Father through right relationship. Understand, when the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the, the ultimate destination was to come to Mount Sinai, not to watch from a distance, but to once again come into relationship with God, their, their God, the one that had delivered them. Not to have Moses as a go-between, and we're going to look at this in a second, but that's, God was wanting to reunite them and bring them back to himself. And that's the same thing, that's his, still his call today to everyone, right? As he wants to bring these people, that, that his children, if you will, back to himself. And this is where Jesus had come in. When we believers are saved from the world, we are unconditionally adopted into the family of God and begin our own exodus. Did you know that you're on an exodus today? If you've accepted Christ and you're walking as a Christ follower, you're, you're on an exodus. You're going from the, the world and, and sin into God, the eternity that God has for us. We're not supposed to stop, and we're not supposed to camp out here. <laughs> so we as Christians, then, we, we live out our kingdom pilgrimage in the wilderness of this world system, pressing toward and in anticipation of the eternal land of promise to come. And so we see what we see happening here is, is this picture of Moving from reverence, reverence to rebellion, right? Again, they had lost their focus on Moses. They had lost their focus on Yahweh, Jehovah, the God that had delivered them. And as a result, they moved from reverence to rebellion. And listen to what it says in Exodus uh, chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. So this is just, this is before this the, the account we've looked at today. Listen, it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, again, as they approached this mountain, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, now pause, get that in your mind, <laughs> whatever the sound of a trumpet might sound like, flashes of lightning and smoke. How many would agree that would probably be pretty intimidating? Yeah? I don't know if you've ever been around something like that, a volcano, or maybe, I remember like Niagara Falls, you know, and you get close to that, and you just feel that power. I'm sure it's something along those lines. But again, imagine standing there, and the people were afraid and trembled, as they should be. And they stood far off. And here they go, wheeling and dealing, and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. So they knew the state that they were in, right? <laughs> they knew that they were, not gonna, they were not preparing their hearts. They were not preparing themselves properly. And so what does Moses respond? He says, Moses said to the people, what does he say? Do not fear, for God has come to what? To test you. God tests us? He's testing them, Right? And listen, it says that the fear of him may be before you. 
that you may not sin. And in the people's response, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. You see, if I can, if I can say this, and I, I may have said it in the past, I'm pretty sure I have, and I'll say it again. Um, you know, I think in our generation, one of the things that kind of has been lost a little bit is, is the, the fact that we've lost kind of the sense of what reverence is or respect. Right? I mean, if it's staggering. If, if, you, if you think maybe you've had this experience, try telling a, a, a child or even a, especially a teenager if they're doing something wrong, maybe you're out. You know, I noticed what's one thing about the park, you know, and just the stuff that comes out of these, these, guys, these kids' mouths, you know, and it's just like, if you, if you were to say, hey, could you stop, it, they would just yell at you, right? There's no respect for any kind of authority or for age or there's just, the respect is gone in our culture. There's no respect. And again, I will say in, in fairness, a lot of positions of authority have been found abusive of that authority, right, which kind of shifted that a bit. A bit. And, you know, when I talk about reverence and respect, I'm also not talking about just how you look or, or what you wear or, or things like that, because it really comes down to this, right, to the heart. They're much like the Pharisees, you know, they looked the part on the outside, but their heart, again, was, was in a totally wrong place. But we see it in our culture. We, we, we've, we are no longer this culture that has, like, a respect for any kind of authority, for anything. And even everything with, with the, the police and everything recently and stuff, again, it's just another... And again, I'm, I'm acknowledging stuff has been done wrong in the past, right, where those, those positions have been abused. But the, the thing that we're seeing is across the board, every single one of these, it's removing this respect for any kind of authority. And so then when we read the Bible or we come to Christ and say, wait a second, so I, I have to follow God, I have to be obedient, <laughs> it doesn't really fly, does it? It's, it's almost have to, you have to learn or, or understand how to, to do this again. And so, you know, again, to see this, though, and, and these people, they're not willing to address their heart. They're not willing to give up this sin, and that's why they will not draw close to God. And so they're willing to give up a relationship with their creator, the one who delivered them, for the sake of staying where they are and staying in, in the comfort of their own sin. And they think that they can live in that place of sort of like at a distance, right? They had drifted away from God. Do we know that for sure? Actually, we do. Exodus 14, listen to this, verse 31. Right, this is back a little earlier. Listen to what it says. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, right, as they came out. So the people, what? Feared the Lord, and they believed in who? The Lord and his servant Moses. So as they were coming out, they believed, they saw the Lord, they feared the Lord because they saw his power and they believed in him as well as his servant Moses. Now, is this the scene that we're seeing now that we've, we started at, where they ended up? No. And so we see this, this drifting. If, 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 if we're not careful, we can do the exact same thing. We can drift, <laughs> And our hearts can drift away from God. 
And today, as we are waiting for the return of Jesus, much like they were waiting for Moses at that time to come down from the mountain, you know, we find ourselves waiting as well. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, it says, you know, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Other people's sinful desires? No, their own. And they will say, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And jumping down to verse 8, it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord the day is as a thousand years, and a day in a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but listen, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We see that picture. Again, God is holy and just, but we see his mercy and grace here, don't we? That any delay in his return, is, it's his, by his grace that he is wanting as many people to come into this relationship with him as possible. In verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so we shouldn't be surprised, right? We shouldn't be surprised at what we see happening. We shouldn't be surprised even as we see people falling away. But the, the, the interesting thing, again, and the danger today is that there are people that have fallen away from God, yet still with their mouths and, and still say that they, they are following God, that they are Christians. It's just like I was pointing to the fact earlier that there's places called churches that are not preaching the entire word of God. They go through and they rip out the parts that they don't agree with. And what do they do? They try to create something that fits what they want to do. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Can I, can I just say that I struggle with some things in here too? <laughs> there are things in my flesh that I would really love to do as well. Like, you know, and there are things, there are some people that I would, I would love to say some things to. I'd pray for them after, but, um, but no, I'm, we're called to walk a certain way, aren't we? We're called to walk like Christ. And can I give you a, just a little secret? The cross that Jesus tells us to carry and to bear is not made of styrofoam and, and felt and fuzziness on the outside. That when we're walking and it, it gets hard <laughs> and it gets difficult, and people may not like us, then you're probably carrying the right cross. But so many people want to exchange the cross that Jesus is talking about with that cross of comfort, if you will. But that's impossible. There is no such thing. Jesus tells us, right, to pick up our cross and what? Follow him. And I want to acknowledge today, I know that there are many people in this place, and I know there's many situations, there's many difficult situations in this room. But if nothing else, you carry your cross and you follow Jesus. Where is the focus of your faith today? Is it on your situation? Is it on your problem, your circumstance, 
or whatever else, or is it on Jesus where it needs to be? That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to do, and that's what God is, is wanting us to see. And again, I, we're going to just wrap up here in just a moment, but I just, can I just share this with you because this is, can I do that? I just want to share something. Because I like, the Old Testament's fun to read sometimes. And you get to just, so there was a consequence. So Moses came down from the mountain when he saw the idolatry and immorality among the Israelites. First off, he broke the tablets containing the Ten Commandments. So Moses kind of lost it, right? He was not walking in grace and mercy. He lost it. He made a pretty big mistake. Like the Ten Commandments, you broke them, <laughs> right? Literally, <laughs> all of them. So he throws them down, right? And then he, he melts down in the, this golden cap and grinds it into a powder, mixes it with water, and forces the people to drink it. We just need some moral testament in our lives, don't we? I mean, that would, straight, that would straighten up so many things out, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, who comes up with this? But that's what he did. And he, he rebukes Aaron and orders the Levites to kill 3,000 of the primary troublemakers. <sighs> oh, Lord, please. <laughs> Can you imagine that, you know, that's in our, like, bylaws or something? Like, if you make trouble in the church... We've got 3,000 is our number, our threshold. We're only at like seven. So <laughs> I, think, I think that would just work a lot of things out. <laughs> but there was severe consequence is my point here, right? There was severe consequence for what they chose to do. <laughs> and can I tell you this? There's severe consequence for what we choose to do as well today. The people that are choosing to do the things that they're doing to go against the church, to go against what God has set out as his plan and his will, those that are misleading, <laughs> you, you can't outrun God, you know that? There will be consequences. And frankly, sometimes what we see now or what we see, the freedoms we have are consequences that are, are, are coming for a generation that's hardened its heart for, for people that have moved away from God. So as we prepare to wrap up, I want to read this quote from Charles Spurgeon in, in regards to this, this whole account that we've been looking at today. And he says this. He says, they wanted something to look at. They needed to be able to put their eyes on something, something visible that they could adore. It was not that they meant to cease to worship Jehovah, but they intended to worship him under some tangible symbol. That is the great fault of ritualists and Romanists. They aim at worshiping God, but they must do so through some sign, some symbol, some cross, some crucifix, or something or other that they can see. You see, that's, that's the danger of it all, right? When we, you know, have to, we're called to walk by faith, right? And so when we do that and we can't see so to speak, if we're not careful, and you know, I love what he says there because I think that that is, is right on the money, is that it, it's, it was not that they meant to cease to worship Jehovah, but they intended to worship under some tangible symbol, something that, that was comfortable, right? Now, as most of you know, I'm married uh, to, to my wife, Leanna. We've been married for 20 years. And imagine, you know, I'm out at a store, and I come across this 
necklace, and it's, it's got this, you know, woman's face on it or whatever, you know? And I'm like, well, that kind of looks like Leanna. I'm going to buy that, right? It'd be really, really sweet. And I come home, and I show her the necklace, and I say, you know, this, this like, looks, this reminds me of you, you know? It's, it's kind of sweet, right? It's kind of cute. And, and then I say, well, and you know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to punch out. I think I'm just going to take off. I'm not coming back, because I have this image of you, right? And I'll have it with me wherever I go, and I'll think about you, and it'll be wonderful, and it's, it's beautiful. It's really pretty, and it's kind of sweet, right? Like, you know, I've got this thing, but I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm not going to come back. Now, some of you chuckle because, first off, that's, that's crazy, right? Secondly, we talk about Old Testament punishment and, and retribution. That, that's what my wife would bring on me if I said that. <laughs> but, but it's crazy, right? Because what it is is saying, I'm, I'm trying to take, I'm going to take this relationship we have, who you are, and the beauty of that, and I'm going to try to replace it with this, and I'm going to go off and do my own thing, but I've got you with me. Is that the same thing? No. Not even close. And this is kind of what we've seen here today. This is kind of what we have to be so careful of is that we substitute the authenticity of relationship with God through Jesus Christ with something that's a little more palatable. Again, the, the greatest lie that we can believe today is that Satan is going to show up in such a way and that he shows up in, in a way that's completely contrary to what we believe. And what do I mean by that? I mean, he's much more sneaky than that. It just, it's just a, it's just a, like a degree. It's, it's almost, but not quite. And that's the most dangerous thing to be because you're just that, just that little bit. But it's kind of like when you set a trajectory, and if I just, just that little bit, if I stay on that road, I end up much further away than I had ever anticipated than when I began. And that's what Satan does. He peddles fake stuff for that which is authentic, right? Everything we see happening in the world, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's drugs, sex, you know, happiness, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's all corrupt. It's just, it's an imitation right? It's, it's, it's a counterfeit for the way God's designed it and made the authentic thing to be. And so we must continue on our journey while we are waiting for Christ's return. It's when we become sedentary that we can get ourselves into trouble. We lose focus on what is the most important, our God and our obedience to him. Church, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what we have to do is we have to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And you can, you can pray for years about what that is, but let me make it simple for you. It's, it's, it's to obey God to, to the Great Commission, right? It's to reach the lost with the good news. It's to love God with all your heart, right? And to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what we have to be on mission. That's, and that's what even what, what we're talking about these next few Wednesdays. It's just a, a start. We're just scratching the surface, if you will, to what we need to be doing as a church and as, as Christians, as followers of Christ. Because you know why? It's because we're all susceptible. It's when we sit around and we have time on our hands and we're not doing what we're supposed to do, that's when we get ourselves into trouble, isn't it? True story, right? We must always be checking our hearts to ensure we are worshiping God and nothing else. This can be things, people, anything. 
that we haven't lost the focus of our faith. This can be relationships. This can be, this can even be wives, husbands, children, any, anything that you take and you put here above God, it's, it's wrong. God said, he says he's a jealous God. There are many things in this life that are really good, but when we take them, when we try to elevate them above God, it's, it becomes really bad. It can be our jobs, it can be our houses, our lifestyles, our comforts, it can be anything. God doesn't care about if we have stuff. It's when stuff has us, right? It begins to take control. We begin to worship and we begin to give ourselves to these things. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, as we close. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In verse 11, it says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You see, once we know the fear of the Lord and once we know what he's called us to do, then, then we're on the hook, so to speak. We can't claim ignorance. We know what God has called us to do. The question is, is are we doing it? And if we do it, I promise you will be blessed. God's hand will be upon your life and you will experience a closeness and a relationship with God like you had never imagined. But oftentimes it's, it's going through the fire. It's carrying the cross, but the sweetness of the relationship makes it all worth it, amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for, Lord, this message and just this reminder, Lord, of where our focus might be today. God, I thank you for every single person in this place that's, that's heard these words. I thank you for those watching online today. God, we realize that we just, we're all at different places. We're all facing different challenges and, and different victories, Lord. God, if nothing else, I pray, Lord, that just our 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 awareness, Lord, that of how, if we're not careful, we can begin to just drift. Our, heart, our hearts can begin to move away from you one step at a time. Lord, we think of that, uh, that, in that analogy, Lord, or that, that picture of the frog in the, the, the pot as the water's cold and that heat slowly is dialed up and they just, he doesn't realize, the frog doesn't realize that it's getting hot to the point where it's gonna boil and it's gonna kill him. And God, so often, you know, we look at that and we kind of chuckle and like, how in the world? But Lord, how often do we do that, Lord, in our lives? Thinking that we can a toy, Lord God, or mess with sin or, or not be repentant or even just not be aware, Lord God, that as we, you bring a good thing into our lives, like the gold and silver we read about today in Exodus, Lord God, but how we can take that if we're not careful and try to put, Lord, your blessing on it or, or create something that was never intended, Lord, by you. God, would you just help us, Lord, today to surrender anything that might have us? God, let us not be um, lured into the, the idea that we, we possess this thing or that we control, Lord God, when we don't. And God, if we need to let that thing go, then God, so you know, I pray, Lord, that you would show us that. If, if we need to press in, Lord God, if we need to just put it in its right place, God, I pray that you would show us that as well. God, help us, Lord God, first and foremost, Lord, to be obedient, to spend time to know your will and your plan. God, help us to be on mission, Father God. Help us to be uh, answering the Great Commission, Lord God, and the call that you placed on us as, as your church and your people. God, I thank you, Lord, that it's not, it just, it, does, it didn't end in that place, Lord God. But God, that we see that, that Jesus came 
And God, that he has made a way for salvation, that we can come to you, Lord God, that we can have that relationship that, Lord, the, uh, the children of Israel here at this place, many of them did not want. God, help us, Lord, to press in, Lord, to you, to that relationship. Lord, God, help us be quick to repent, Lord, of sin in our lives. And God, we just thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us through your word today and that you've challenged us, Lord, uh, to, again, to keep the focus of our faith where it belongs, and that's on you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.